Welcome to Industrial Theory with Carrie Siggins. In this podcast, we talk with leaders and doers throughout the industrial cleaning industry who are changing the way we think about cleaning the world. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins. Welcome to Industrial Theory. I'm your host, Carrie Siggins, and I'm excited to be here today with my guest, Ron Justin, Director of Connected Solutions at Breadware. Started in 2015, Breadware began developing innovative IoT-enabled solutions for their clients. Stone Age began working with Breadware a few years ago when we hired them to help us develop a wireless solution for one of our products. Most recently, they helped us Bluetooth enable the control system for the Sentinel automated cleaning technology. We had the opportunity to acquire them this spring and jumped at it. We're excited that they're part of the Stone Age family. Thanks for being on the show, Ron. Carrie, thanks for having me. Um, it's my pleasure to be here. Great. So many of the people who listen to this show don't know who you are. Uh, can you take a few minutes to tell us about yourself? I'll try to make it work in a few minutes. Um, sure, but uh, so I'll, I'll just start with my career path. Um, it was kind of interesting and fun. So my first professional engineering exposure came in the late 90s as a junior in college where I landed an internship designing specialized mobile radio networks for truckers. So basically like sophisticated CB, CB radio. Um, I would get to literally climb up towers, mount antennas. It was just a very hands-on job. And I'll be honest, I, I didn't like engineering school at all, but that internship gave me hope, like, oh, the practice is way more fun than the theory, in my opinion, right? So um, with that, the, the dot-com bubble was peaking. Um, the company got bought by Nextel. I didn't have my college degree yet, and they said bye-bye. So I, I finished my degree, um, and then ended up working for the government, because the dot-com bubble had burst. And um, it ended up being pretty cool for me. Ended up working underground with some really sophisticated like science and physics experiments, setting up diagnostics, and just, just being around really big budget, sophisticated engineering projects. And, and it was an awesome experience. I don't think I could have gotten it anywhere else. But um, you know, fast forward, let's say 20 years, um, I was kind of ready to leave government work, and um, I had an opportunity to join Breadware about two years ago, and um, it, it's been awesome. I'm really glad I did it. And what did you come on to Breadware to do? Uh, helped them really with sales, to be honest. So I had uh, experience, 20 years of real engineering experience and um, kind of came on to help guide solutions and kind of grow the business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us more about Breadware. What does Breadware do and what kind of projects are you working on right now? Sure, uh, Breadware is a product development company focused on wirelessly connected devices. We're currently designing gateways to bridge the gap between cloud and low-power wireless sensor networks, computer vision products, and biometric wearables. Um, I also want to say that we get exposed to random things all the time. Like, for instance, before we met you, we didn't know water jetting was even a thing, right? right. And then who would have thought how much just sophistication behind creating these precision water jets that are lethal, right? So you have to be very thoughtful on how you deploy these systems. Um, so back to breadware. So we, we get to work on a lot of interesting things, you know, clients like Stone Age. You know, the mix changes every quarter. Sometimes we do industrial retrofits to add wireless connectivity and intelligence to old factory machines, and sometimes we do full-up custom devices. There's so many parallels between uh, Breadware now and Stone Age at the beginning when the two founders started out. So John and Jerry created the tool um, the, for the mining industry, the market collapsed, they had to, to pivot, and they were actually an engineering firm 
uh, a consulting firm for an industrial cleaning contractor. Mm. And so that's what they started out doing is they just did design, product design as kind of a consulting arm of this group. Yeah. And uh, then they realized, well, to scale, we need to create our own products and become a manufacturing company, not just an engineering company. So there's so many parallels. I love when people, companies, early stage companies actually do that. They, they survive on services as opposed to taking outside money. Yeah. And then they retain control of their destiny. So I, I, I really I really like the story of the Stone Age founders. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I think that starting off in the service business really does uh, before you become a product company is you grow to appreciate your customers so much. Because when you're a consulting company, you are really you know serving at the pleasure of your customer and totally. meeting their needs. And so you learn uh, just how important good customer service is and listening to what their requirements are and how you help them come up with solutions that they might not even know that they needed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what's at the root of Stone Age has always been about great products, great service. And I see that same parallel within breadware right now. So I think it's a really good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good, so uh, that's a good segue into your feelings about the, the acquisition. Um, so what op opportunities do you think that Stone Age will be able to bring breadware and vice versa? A lot, and so the, the, the two teams are, are really gelling, which I'm, I'm glad to see. And so this acquisition you know, really increases our footprint into the industrial realm, which is a direction we, we knew we wanted to go in anyway. Uh, we we're already doing some industrial IoT projects, and now Stone Age can open the doors to, to many new opportunities for us. Uh, we also now get to tap some of their industrial design and mechanical engineering and prototyping expertise for our external client work, and that is a game changer for us because we were heavy on electrical and firmware talent, but not so much on the mechanical. Yeah, yeah. It seems like there's uh, there's lots of synergies that are going to happen between our teams, um, not only to change the water jet industry, but to to bring I think new ideas and um, to to your clients, Absolutely. which are very different than what ours are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe um, talk a little bit about how you got to know Stone Age and and how we became a client of yours? Uh, well, it's, it's a funny story. Uh, one of, well, you're now director of technology, used to be my manager for, for at a government contracting office. <laughs> so there's familiarity. Um, and it's funny, when he left and told me where he landed, I was like, Stone Age, where, what? You know, Durango, <laughs> where is that? You know, what is water jetting? It was, it was just, um, it was eye-opening, right? And then, obviously, we kept talking. We were friends, you know, just you know, peers and friends. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he was really digging the job. And then after I left the government world, um, you know, through talking, he, he knew we could do things that could enhance your products. And so that relationship, you know, Stone Age as a client happened pretty quickly after I joined Breadware, actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so originally he brought you on to work on our Striker um, uh, remote shotgunning system. And then you recently been working on the Sentinel. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what those projects uh, look, looked like. Yeah. So the, the Striker, we, we added data logging, you know, so, so wireless data logging to the system so that you could log how long it was being used per per run basically, right? And, and then that data well, could easily be kind of exfiltrated via Bluetooth to a smartphone. So that was the first kind of like get our feet wet project. Um, pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> Actually, wait, strike that. Let me, that was pre-striker, my bad. That was just a data logger. Yeah. And that, that was for 
had to be used across multiple products. Right, that was the idea. We yeah. could plug it into everything. everything. And mm -hmm. so we were logging button presses for how long, um, obviously date exactly. timestamps. So that was the first like mini project, yeah. which probably didn't even make it to your desk as right. CEO. <laughs> but, was, but that was like where he kind of tested us. Yeah. And then after that, then we moved on to the striker and we, we retrofitted the wireless uh, control mechanism. So it was a proprietary 900 megahertz. Um, it was very hard to pair uh, the controller to the system because um, it was a, re a wirelessly controlled mm -hmm. robot, basically. So we said, hey, why don't we come in with industrial Bluetooth, you know, so it can pair with almost anything easily, like a computer or a smartphone or your custom controller. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we did. We kind of just did a kind of a surgical retrofit of the wireless and, um, you know, the range is amazing. And, you know, all I ever hear is good things about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then that's how it le that's what led you to the Sentinel. That is what led us to the Sentinel. And again, uh, more more wireless controls because you know at that point we've kind of demonstrated Stone Age or proficiency with wireless, mm -hmm. which again is kind of where we focus. And uh, we're just doing the wireless enhancements on Sentinel. Yeah. So a lot of people don't understand what IoT is or think that it's not for their po product or service or industry. And I think it's important for people to understand that IoT is more accessible than they might think. Uh, so can you give us a high-level overview of what IoT is and what benefits it can bring? Sure. Um, we loosely think of an IoT product as any connect device that is not a smartphone or a computer. Uh, we expect those devices to connect to the internet. Five years ago, we did not expect our toilet to talk to the internet, but today it does, right. you know, like it or not. Um, that's an IoT-enabled toilet, and you know, the one I'm t and the one that I'm thinking of in particular is a project we did that called Shine Bathroom. It's a retrofit kit that self-cleans after a flush and can sense when your toilet is running, which can lead to serious water damage. And if you've ever had that in your house, you know it's, yeah. it's thousands of dollars and a lot of inconvenience um, this guy has. Uh, the toilet can notify you when this is happening. And, and honestly, it's a huge benefit for you know your wallet and the environment. Yeah, know? absolutely. I think that's a great example because most people wouldn't think of that <laughs> at that my toilet. Right, and that's an extreme example, right? Mm -hmm. But but you know, I think a lot of us are familiar with many more. But I, I mean, five years ago, I didn't see that coming. Right. I'll tell you that, you know, and I was in technology, you know. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. yeah. So how do you see industrial IoT taking off uh, post-COVID and how will uh, it change the way that we work? We're already starting to see a lot of requests for quotes to make commonplace systems touchless. So either with IR or voice commands, you know, people don't want to touch anything and, and that's understandable. You know, so this can be done in a number of ways. You know, for instance, you can use an employee NFC or RFID badge to actuate a process, or even a smartphone's NFC radio. You could use IR sensors to detect body heat or even hand gestures. We're also seeing a lot of requests to make contact tracing systems so employees can understand which employees were in contact with a potentially infected employee. Yeah, I can imagine that you're getting lots of requests. Um, also thinking about like how, how do I automate, how do I get more efficient, how do I keep more people out of my building um, uh, as well. So it's going to be interesting to see yeah. you know, how all of this changes and then how we use automation and IoT-enabled devices to give us information. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, look, almost every commercial you hear now, touchless, contactless, yeah. remote, like I just keep hearing those words over and over, you know, in the background with TVs on. It, it's very interesting, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, IoT is, uh, it was, it's been a hot buzzword for quite a while and 
Um, you know, it's always been something that has been in the back of my mind and that I was curious about, but I never thought it was really for Stone Age. And then you start to dig in and you're like, oh, well, you know, everything is, I everything in the future is going to be IoT. And now it's like the spot to be as people are trying to figure out how do I change the way that I work? If I can't go about my life the way I did before, how is technology going to help? And there's so many of these solutions that you can just use your phone, mm -hmm. you know, and use an app through your phone to do. So, um, so yeah, I can, I can imagine we're only gonna keep hearing more and more um, as, you know, COVID continues and, and we figure out what the world's going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. I think some will be for the better, right? And, and some things we're gonna miss, you know, yeah. I just think that's how it's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. that's the way it always is. So um, you and I have frequently discussed how companies are going to be using vending machines to make product easily accessible to their customers. So can you tell us more about this? Sure. Um, you know, and, and, and this is a fun one. Uh, there are a number of companies that make them, one being AutoCrib in Southern California. They're much like, they sound, big metal vending machines, much like the ones at Best Buy or, you know, at the airport. You know, you see the Best Buy ones with the headphones and stuff that you can't afford. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, lots of manufacturing operations use them to dispense commonly used parts, consumables and tools to uh, their employees on a shop floor. You know, even one of my old jobs, we had that. It was great. I just swipe my badge, enter a project number, and I could get parts on the spot rather than waiting, you know, 24, 48 hours. Um, you know, these machines are intelligent and they know when they are low on particular items and they can reorder it automatically or, you know, send that information to an admin. So we're seeing more and more companies inquire about these types of systems. You know, they want to use them in new ways to minimize the human-to-human -human handoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is something that I think would be very interesting for our industry, and I know some of our customers have already implemented them uh, in some of their facilities because mostly it's, you know, now industry, I need it now. If I don't have this particular tool in a, and it goes down, I've got to be able to go serve my customer and, and not, you know, potentially get kicked off a job because I don't have it. Right. Now this all... With COVID, it just opens up this whole new thing of like, well, I actually can't have, you know, somebody come on to a plant um, to make a delivery or I can't let my guys out. You know, mm -hmm. there's so much that's going to change. So I can really see how vending machines would be of interest to our customers in the industrial cleaning industry yeah. as well. And it wouldn't be also huge if you, if you could put a vending machine that's branded Stone Age at a site. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just that like, it's like advertising and you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think. I think that's gonna maybe go somewhere. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you want products at your fingertips and that's the fastest way to be able to do it, especially with, you know, with with tactical tools like what we have. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely interesting to to see how that's all going to change. And that kind of goes into my next que question about what, how field services and um, field sales are going to change. So, you know, how do you see the companies who are reliant on people being out in the field using IoT to change their business model? Well, first of all, I, I feel for the field salespeople. Like they're, they're very. I, a lot of my friends are. They're antsy, right? They're used to being on the road, and and some of them they enjoy it, right? They want to be on the client site, mm -hmm. and uh, so they're having to adjust. So unfortunately, you know, companies are going to need to improve their digital sales game. You know, since the in-person sales meetings are going to be minimized going forward. Um, and this also goes for my vendors, right? They want to come to the. Sh they want to come to our shop and. You know, it's a culture, right? Like they'll bring in a vendor, maybe we'll have lunch and, and all that stuff just kind of gone right now, right? So that said, you know, people are gonna, just gonna have to improve their digital sales game. That's, that's just where we are. Um, I agree. This is something that we've been focusing on because we are very, you know, let's, you have to have a hands-on demo with our product. 
and that's just not going to be possible. Yeah. So we have launched this whole um, virtual selling, remote selling uh, platform where we can make it very easy to be able to demonstrate a, a product to a customer and it's being extremely well received in some ways it can be even better because we can you know get up and close and it's already set up so it's very efficient the sales the uh, organization commit can come in the salesperson can do this whole virtual demo we can weave video into it it's, yeah and it's very consistent it's like scripted and consistent and um, of a high value and it's definitely going to change the way that we uh, that we work with our customers I've seen a preview of this um, and was impressed you know and, and also I applaud how fast you guys were at rolling this out. It was just like like water, you know, just just you know, like Bruce Lee said, you know, be like water. You just <laughs> you just flow around it, right? And that's what you've done. And I think other people need to take note, and they need they need to move. Yeah, I yeah. think this is going to be a game changer, and I think it's going to be you know people who really are successful at it are going to probably have to have the mix of you know here's how here's where the high touch high value live demos are I have no choice I have to go out there and do this but if everything else can be taken care of mm -hmm. from this whole remote selling and virtual platform especially with what you can do with um, with animations nowadays you know it's really interesting to um, to you know kind of peer into the future and imagine you know, what that how that's going to change how people sell yeah how people buy yeah right right and you and I were talking before about yeah the animations right and, and how they can kind of give you that x-ray vision yeah through the product and that is innovative stuff because I know I have bought a, a mountain bike based on that <laughs> right. you know what I mean and having that insight and so I think in that regard, there's some positive aspects to yeah. this sort of selling. Yeah, well, in water jetting industry, it's really hard to see how something works because you can't. I mean, right. it's water it's, flying, you mm -hmm. can't see the internals. And, yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's the, not that the internals are going to necessarily be what sells the product, but it's what makes the jet quality either really good or really poor and right. really good jet quality matters. And so the more we can educate people why you know, it's important and why Stone Age can help solve that problem, the, you know, the more likely are that they are going to want to partner with us and having the ability to demonstrate what's going on inside of a tool that you would never be able to see otherwise mm -hmm. will, I think, help our customers really understand their jobs a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So how about for the, uh, the services side of the business? How do you see IoT changing field services? For services, you know, at times it's obviously inevitable that at some point somebody's going to have to need to go on site to repair, upgrade a system. You know, that's not going to go away. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, IoT can help minimize the required on-site time through the use of integrative preventive maintenance diagnostics so a technician knows exactly what needs to be done before arriving and already has the right tools and parts on hand. So they can convince, you know, the plant operations like, you know, I'm going to be on site for two hours, and, and here's why. You know, yeah. here's the diagnostics. I'm coming on site with the right tools and parts, in and out, right? And, and I think, you know, it's going to go that way. Absolutely. And so, do you think that will be seen through, done through, like camera vision or sensors, or you know, how how do you see that really changing? How do you see technology changing preventative maintenance? The shift has started, right? But absolutely, computer vision is going to be a big part of it. Integrating, you know, even as a retrofit, just more sensing capability. We're actually seeing a lot of innovative things happen by monitoring vibration. Mm -hmm. So, so magnetically coupling a retrofit sensor onto a machine, and just 
it sensing the vibrations or even sounds can tell you, oh, something's about to go down here. Um, so again, some of these solutions are very accessible. They are not super expensive. They're just clever and they work. And you just have to figure out how to put them together to make it make sense. Put them together. And then get the data yeah. out. Get the data out. Now that's you know sometimes that's almost the more challenging part, right? You know, depending on the network accessibility, mm -hmm. cell coverage, things like that. But that those are the problems that we solve. Yep, absolutely. Great. Um, so talking about retrofitting, uh, you recently finished a project for Gates Corporation, which is a 100-year-old manufacturing company focused on industrial composite hoses and belts. Uh, I think this will be of interest to our listeners since uh, we all are very familiar with high-pressure hoses. So can you tell us uh, a, a little bit about this project? Sure. Uh, it was a pretty epic project for us. Um, you know, Gates, you know, they had a couple problems. They had a hose crimping machine that was getting harder to build because electronic parts were going end of life. They also didn't know where the machines were ending up because they were being sold by distributors. So you know, some of these machines would end up at fracking operations and, and random factories. Yeah, I mean, it's actually, middle of nowhere. Oh, middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> They're just you know thousands of them. So uh, step one is we had to figure out how to redesign the control system and, and get the parts cost down. Well, fortunately, you, you know, uh, the original system was designed in the 70s, so it was quite easy to redesign it, make it better and cheaper and smaller. All the good things you, you get from modern microelectronics. Right. So in, in a way, that was almost the easy part, right? Uh, you know, we partnered with a company in Denver called Nimble that does a lot of SAP integration. So Gates was on SAP. And so the other part of this was connecting their SAP business intelligence to the machine, right? So it understands. Um, what parts are being used by who, right? Right. So um, the retrofit not only included our new control system, but an off-the-shelf tablet. Again, we're trying to be smart with our clients' money. There's no need to redesign a tablet system, right? right? We bought an off-the-shelf tablet uh, in bulk. We put a lot of the control smarts in the tablet. It wirelessly connected to our control system and then also wirelessly connected to their SAP cloud. So just end-to-end -end intelligence, they knew because the tablet had GPS, they know where these things are. Um, just, just, just a game changer um, for that machine. And, and the beautiful thing is like, you know, it was a retrofit, like I said, like we, we just replaced uh, an old sheet metal shroud with a more modern looking, uh, it was a plastic shroud with the tablet, but it, it just gave it a major facelift, made, made it look modern. And, and frankly, if you, you would think it was a whole new design. But it was built in the 70s originally, right? right so that's, right. I think, a really interesting piece of this is a lot of people might think that you have to start from scratch. Nope. And in many cases, you don't have to. Nope, not at all. Minim like it, it was just minimally invasive surgery to get this thing wireless, get it a little smarter, make it cheaper. And, and still, you know, the user interface before this retrofit was a dial and a really old LCD screen. And we noticed a lot of users would just tape a table a piece of paper with a table of magic numbers on on it, right? We got rid of all that. With the touch screen, you know, it was just bam, bam, bam. You hit a couple buttons, it, it knew, it, you know, what you're trying to do. It tells you the right settings. It just automatically did pretty much everything. And so I can imagine that that increased the, the safety of the hose crimping operation too, because that's obviously a, a huge concern, right? It's where yeah. most hoses fail is going to be where the where it's crimped. And Absolutely. So I'm sure that it added some consistency rather than the, you know, find, use a chart to find your uh, you know, right. your, your, your torque, your pressure, whatever you are, are using, your crimping, crimping pressure, and then set the manually set the machine to do it? Is that how it worked? That's how it worked. Yeah. And, and actually, that was another problem they had. Um, it had a manual adjustment so that you could actually use it to crimp 
non-gates hoses, right? And, and obviously it's a business, right? We all know this. And, and they didn't want their machine being used yeah. to crimp competitor hoses. So um, we, we got rid of that manual adjustment because A, yes, it was a safety risk anyway. And B, it was also enabling these other things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I can imagine safety plus all of a sudden I have all this information where I didn't even know where a machine was. Now I know where the machine is and how often it's being crimped at yep. crimping hoses and yeah. and so much. And more what inside. type of fittings, yeah. right? And then and then you know you can adjust your marketing yep. and you could push updates of marketing to this tablet as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Great example of, of a retrofit project um, and something near and dear to to everything and everybody in our industry. Uh, so, how do people get started IoTifying their product or service? It's I don't want to overly simplify it, but you, you know, here's our here's our playbook, if you will. You know, for for the NFL fans out there, and ho <laughs> hopefully we get a season. That's yeah, right? that's really the only thing I'm like hoping for, <laughs> like come September. Um, so let's start with you know step one of the playbook. You know, what is your need? Why are you pursuing this? You know, step two, understand what kind of data do you need? Step three, how are you gonna collect this data? Step four, how do you gain insight from the data being collected? After that, how do you turn the data into something of value to both you and hopefully your customers? Right. You know, sometimes keeping all this data in a silo for you isn't the way to go. If, if you can share this, it, it doesn't put your business at risk and you can create um, what well, one of my colleagues calls super fans of your product, you should do that. Yeah, you want to monetize, you got to be able yeah. to figure out how to monetize that data. Monetize it or yeah. let them hack on it. Yeah. They could come up with insights that yeah. you, you had no idea, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then finally, you know, how can you create the minimal viable solution to test before investing too much time and effort? And, and with this is, there's an explosion of off-the-shelf components sensors and Raspberry Pis, you know, cheap low-cost computers that you can slam together in a box and, and get, you know, test a hypothesis, mm -hmm. right? And, and we're seeing non-technical clients actually putting these things together. Um, obviously, we're seeing more sophisticated clients doing it too, but it, it kind of warms my heart when I see just a clever mom-and-pop shop bought some off-the-shelf stuff, they tested a hypothesis, and then they know, hey, this is working for me. Let's scale this, let's get this, you know, let's make something a little more custom, yeah. and that's where we would come in. Yeah, and I think that's the whole accessible piece, right? It's never, IoT has never been more accessible than, um, than you know, than, than right now, and yeah. it's because there is so much of these off-the-shelf parts and starter kits, and people are starting to go, oh, I, oh, I see, Yeah, yeah. this is how I can do and, this. And video tutorials on how to use yeah. them and sample software you can download yeah. and, you know, suck up your ego if that tutorial is being hosted by a 12 year old, so be it, you know <laughs> what I mean? You're still learning all the same. Uh-huh, yeah, interesting, good. So then why do IoT projects fail? How much time do you have? Yeah, no, I'm right. <laughs> just yeah. kidding. Uh, look, I mean, in my opinion, there's there's really um, two, two main ways that I see, right? Um, the main reason is a lack of a good strategy, which we kind of just went through um, in the last question. Mm -hmm. You know, have a strategy, have a game plan, and, and you know, you will have a lot more success. Um, the, the, other, uh, the other reason is a lack of proper expertise. So either in-house or, or even maybe potentially hiring wrong consultants that are potentially just outsourcing the job that they book from you. So I think if you need to go uh, outside of, of your resources and you want to consult, you know, you know, hire consultants or a firm like Breadware, you know, ask, ask some 
it's like a job interview. Almost interview them as if you're going to hire them, mm -hmm. right, for your internal team. Uh, you want to understand, are they doing all the work in-house? Are there some things that they may need to outsource? Where would that go? I mean, ask those questions. They're very fair questions before you engage with yeah, someone. That's great advice. All right, so um, I always wrap up by asking what's the nu one nugget of goodness you'd like to leave with our listeners. Uh, so what's yours? You know, I, I'm never, I'm not a doom and gloom person. You know, I'm pretty optimistic. You know, you know that yeah. about me. But, um, you know, COVID has changed things. You know, that's just a reality. So, you know, my main advice would be don't get left behind with, with the changes that have been brought about by COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe they will only be around for a couple years, but how are you gonna get through these couple years and keep your sales up and your operations, you know, uh, efficient? Yeah, and your employees safe. <laughs> there you go, yeah, right, absolutely. right, you know. So, you know, con your consumers have different expectations now. They want more touchless interfaces, contactless payments, minimal proximity to other people. Businesses are gonna need to cater these new expectations or you're gonna risk sales or opportunities. Yep, I like it, don't get left behind. I, I mm -hmm. think that's the mantra right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, thanks for having me. You know, Breadware is here to help anyone ready to leverage IoT to improve operations employee and customer well-being, or just to solve hard problems. Yeah, I know that's what you guys like to do. Absolutely, we, we, we've got, you know, we, we've got the smart people. Yeah, that's for sure, that's for sure. All right, well, that's a wrap. Thank you all for listening. We hope you appreciate it. We're always open for ideas. So uh, if you would like to hear from somebody in the industry or about a particular topic, you can email me at carrie.siggins at stoneagetools.com.